The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest. Vasu Menon is with us, Executive Director of Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank Wealth Management. He's on the line from Singapore. Vasu, thanks for being with us. The rate of change, if you look at the move up in yield across the U.S. Treasury curve, has been stunning. It was obviously um, exaggerated a bit yesterday by the Fed's action and a very, very hawkish um, message from the Fed chairman. Is there a pain point for you where you just are going to retreat from risk assets altogether because it's too difficult to predict how this uh, tightening cycle may impact risk assets? Uh, Doug, to be frank with you, we are underweight equities. We underweight uh, high yield bonds. In other words, uh, we are, you know, light on this risk assets. Uh, but underweight doesn't mean you don't invest in these assets. Uh, you know, we're living in very unusual times. Uh, we've got the risk of recession, the risk of inflation and higher rates. But at the same time, you've had markets. Uh, markets have already seen a very sharp correction. S&P 500 is down more than 20%, for example. Uh, valuations are now not as expensive as they were one year ago. In fact, they are looking relatively uh, cheap uh, in, in, in relative terms. And you've got a pile of cash sitting on the sidelines. If you look at U.S. money market funds, you've got $4.6 trillion sitting on the sidelines. So we have a very unusual situation where, you know, you've got a lot of cash. You've got a healthy level of skepticism in the markets as reflected by that cash level. And you've got valuations now slightly more attractive. So I think it doesn't make sense for investors to stay out of the markets uh, completely. It still makes sense for them to stay invested, but not invested fully. Keep dry powder because the next six to nine months is going to be a very tricky period with the rising yields and interest rates and mm. uh, the way the Fed handles inflation. But, you know, the pullbacks can present opportunities to buy gradually. And Vasu, with that thought of what we're seeing in yields move and particularly the, the stark jump we've seen in the last couple of months, we're now 30 basis points from 4%. When do we reach that and, and what does that mean for other risk assets? Well, you know, it is not the best piece of news for other risk assets. It takes away the shine from equities, for example, because, you know, uh, it reduces the gap between dividend yields and, you know, 10-year bond yields. It reduces the, uh, it, it results in, you know, bond prices coming down because of rising yields. Uh, it results in gold prices losing its shine because gold offers zero yield. So, you know, it's a very tricky market. The rising yields are going to uh, pose a headwind uh, for risk assets. So I, I agree with what Doug said at the beginning, you know, you want to be light on risk assets. You don't want to be too gung-ho at this juncture. Uh, but at the same time, you know, don't take your eyes off the market because this rise in yields and, you know, the inflation issue is going to result in pullbacks in the market. Uh, it is already resulting. And you've got to create create opportunities for investors. So don't don't focus on just the negatives. Uh, look at it as a, a, a possibly an opportunity to buy gradually as well. So away from the U.S. market, I'm looking at the Hang Sang right now. So far this year, down by more than 22%. Are there um, let's say opportunities and markets in your neck of the woods, let's say whether it's in Singapore or in Hong Kong or even mainland China that you would be interested in right now? 
Uh, spot on that, you know, because uh, within our equities call, uh, we are essentially neutral on Asia, uh, but we are overweight on China, Hong Kong and Singapore. You know, the Chinese stock market has plunged in the last one and a half years. I mean, we've had so much bad news in the last one and a half years. That's spilled over into Hong Kong as well. And as you said, you know, the Hong Kong market year to date is already down 22% or, or, or thereabouts, you know. And so valuations are now looking attractive. The problem is we don't have a catalyst. We don't have a catalyst to reignite uh, interest in the market because China has got a zero COVID policy. And I think that's that's a big headwind. We need to see that policy change before investors, you know, turn more positive on China. But if you're a medium-term investor, hey, uh, you know, value is starting to emerge uh, for, for the medium long term. So we have had a 22nd day of a stronger than expected yuan fix. And uh, the Bank of Philippines now saying they have other measures to reduce FX volatility. No sign that governments are willing to act in concert to defend the very strong greenback. How does this kind of just weigh into the, the pain that we could see across Asian markets? Uh, it is a major headwind for the Asian markets. In fact, Asian markets, uh, you know, have uh, on, been on a decline for almost six weeks. We have six consecutive weeks of decline for Asian equity markets, uh, partly driven by, you know, the risk sentiment, partly driven by the stronger dollar. And uh, this is clearly a headwind because, you know, uh, Asian currencies are weakening. It is forcing the central banks to think about how they can uh, defend the currencies, depleting reserves to some extent. It's uh, forcing central banks to increase interest rates to defend their currencies and also fight uh, imported inflation. So it is a major headwind, uh, but Asia is today in a much better shape than it was back in 97, 98, when we had the Asian financial crisis. Uh, but, you know, if this goes on much longer, then it will create bigger headwinds for Asia and uh, a risk that investors need to bear at the back of their minds. Yeah, I mentioned South Korea earlier. It looks as though the Korean won uh, broke through a key psychological level of 1,400 against the greenback. The BOK has is, is got a real dilemma on its hands because it's not only the fact that because of high inflation uh, in the U.S. and you have to kind of keep pace with what the Fed is doing, there is so much leverage in the economy in South Korea, particularly in the household arena, and the real estate market there, which accounts, I think, for the largest share of personal assets. So I think the BOK in particular has a very uh, interesting needle to thread. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, sounds like it. I mean, from what you uh, just said, Doug, I mean, uh, essentially, there are, you know, multiple problems in South Korea. Uh, of course, adding to all that, the uh, chip exports in South Korea have also taken a plunge. I think the August numbers for DRAM chips showed a 24.7% decline. Uh, so, you know, the South Korean economy is facing headwinds and uh, maybe more so than some other Asian economies. But, you know, I think the rest of Asia as well is uh, facing issues, you know, maybe if not so much leverage, property prices in many parts of Asia have also, you know, uh, increased significantly and if rates continue to hit higher, then, you know, uh, property prices will face headwinds, could pull back, could hurt uh, household balance sheets and consumer demand. So, yes, you're right. I mean, the the, the Fed uh, rate hikes and the strong dollar, are, you know, creating multiple problems, not just for South Korea, but also other parts of Asia as well. Uh, Singapore expecting to get inflation figures today. Uh, I mean, inflation in Asia, as we know, not quite as hot as what we're seeing in the US. But what sort of further action are you expecting to see from central banks when we had moves yesterday in uh, the ASEAN region as well? 
Well, you know, clearly, I think uh, the Singapore Central Bank and you know other central banks in Asia will be keeping a very close eye on the inflation number and what the Fed is going to do. Uh, the Singapore Central Bank has tightened monetary policy quite significantly, uh, and I think it's necessary because you know Singapore doesn't have an interest rate policy. We have an exchange rate policy, which is very unusual uh, compared to other Asian countries, compared to many other countries around the world. So we manage inflation by you know uh, keeping the dollar strong, the Singapore dollar strong, and on a relative basis, the Singapore dollar has been stronger compared to its Asian peers. And so far, I think the. Yes, is doing a good job. Uh, you know, yes, inflation is an issue, but uh, I think they are trying to check imported inflation through the stronger dollar. And it, I won't be surprised if inflation continues to pose a problem that the MAS will intervene further and, you know, tighten policy even further. So many of the economies in the APAC region are reliant on a, a strong China economy. Yesterday, we had uh, Goldman Sachs downgrading its estimate for GDP growth. Today, Nomura uh, kind of joining uh, in and, and doing much the same. Do you have a sense of um, how well the China economy is going to perform? Well, you know, uh, Doug, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I think a critical part of the whole equation is the zero COVID policy. And as you mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, some people in the market expect uh, China to ease up on the zero COVID policy post October 16, which is when the NPC takes place in China. And uh, let's hope that that happens. I mean, uh, you know, China needs to ease up on zero COVID, open up its doors uh, for uh, the economy to really get back on its feet. Uh, without uh, easing of the zero COVID policy, it's hard to see the Chinese economy bounce back in a big way. Are we paying enough attention to what's happening in Europe and uh, these uh, the energy crisis, the war in Ukraine? I mean, that's something that the Fed can't control. Indeed, you know, and which is why in, in our asset allocation call, uh, Europe is an underweight. Uh, we've got neutral on Asian equities, neutral on US equities, neutral on Japanese equities, but the only underweight we have in the regional equity space is Europe because we are concerned about the energy crisis in Europe and it's going to get worse. I mean, with the onset of winter and what's happening in the, in Russia right now with the deployment of, you know, reserve troops and uh, the escalation of political tension. Uh, the energy crisis is something that we really have to worry about. And I'm sure the Fed is keeping an eye on that as well. Uh, so far, it has not impacted the U.S. economy in a big way. Uh, but if it does, then the Fed will uh, maybe ease up on its uh, aggressive rhetoric. All right, Vasu, always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Vasu Menon is Executive Director, Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank Wealth Management with us on the line from Singapore. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.